Thank you for tuning in to the Lift Church KC podcast. Be light, give hope, demonstrate God's power, celebrate God's presence. He's here. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. Can you feel him? I feel him. It's so good. I wanted to start tonight with a little something that you may not know. I want to tell you five things about the ancient Olympics that you may not know. Who thinks they know everything about the ancient Olympics? Raise your hand. Bunch of old people. No, nobody raised their hands. Nobody raised their hands. I ain't raising my hand. Number one, there was no Olympic torch. Did you know that? No Olympic torch. That torch we're so familiar with, it was invented in 1936 by Hitler. Some think it may have been as a form of propaganda. But it's stuck because it's a big deal. They make a big deal about bringing. Now, they did have a torch run, kind of like a relay, and they would have to pass the torch to the next team person, and then they would run. And if your torch went out, you were out of the game. So they ran like this. How about this? The beginning and the end of the Olympics. We've come a long way. Uh, It was actually part of a religious festival honoring the Greek god Zeus, right? But the Olympic Games lasted for nearly 12 centuries before the Roman emperor Theodosius saw the games as a pagan cult and banned it in 393 AD. said, enough of that. The first modern games didn't resurface again until 1896, thanks to Baron Pierre de Coubertin of France. Here's one you may not know. Winners received cash. They didn't get a medal. They didn't get a trophy. They got cash. And there was only one place, first place. As a matter of fact, at the games, they got a a crown made out of plants. What was it? Let me look. Yeah, there you go. You geeks. But when they got home, their family, their, I mean their city or the place where they were from, they would give them what would be equivalent to $100,000 in U.S. currency now. Can you imagine how far that would have gone back then? Right? How about this one? They thought winning could lead to immortality. That's, that's why their, their view of death was it's terrible when you die. And so their goal was to never die. That's a pretty good goal, right? It's just not very hopeful. And uh, so they would, by consistently winning, athletes would have statues sculpted and songs written about their achievements, which meant their legacy would live on through the ages. Uh, and then finally, did I already do four of them? Okay, finally, this is my favorite. The athletes competed naked. Did you know that? They did. They were so, they were so, they wanted to show Zeus their physical power and their muscular physique. Showing off their bodies also helped intimidate other competitors. 
or frighten them, I don't know. You've noticed that most Greek heroes are often depicted nude in artwork, right? Well, that's why athletes wanted to be compared to true heroes like Hercules and Achilles. Now, bring all that up for absolutely no reason. (laughs) Not really. I have a reason. Tonight, I want to talk to you about laying aside every weight. Laying aside every weight. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, but it's out of the Amplified, so I've put it on the screen for you. If you can read it. Tried to get it on one slide. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. I did a sermon one time called Don't Fight Naked. Is that right? Is that, am I saying naked right for Missouri? Or is that in Oklahoma? Pretty good, okay. They always get on to me. Naked. Don't fight naked. And, and you know, I was talking about the full armor of God. Tonight, I, I don't want to talk about you running the race naked, but I do want to talk to you about laying aside every weight. On Tuesday conversation this last week, we did a, a, a whole thing on Hebrews 12. It was, it was really good. I invite you to come this Tuesday night. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but it's going to be good. It's going to be the word, and we'd love to have you come. Uh, but I want to talk about trying to run a race with excess baggage. See, the Bible likens our walk to God to a race, right? Now, the difference is the race is not to the swift, but to he or she that endures to the end. So if you think you need to run fastest, no, you need to run to the end, right? And we're not racing against each other either. We're racing against the enemy of our souls. Did you know you had an enemy who is doing everything he can to knock us down? Does anybody else have an enemy that's doing everything he can to knock you down? Am I the only one? Oh, man. Well, I'm preaching to me tonight then. He's trying to knock us down, knock us out, knock us off course, stop us, whatever he can do to keep us from crossing that finish line. And I want you to know this. I'm crossing that finish line. Nothing's going to stop me. Now, I'm not an expert in track and field, though I did run uh, cross country uh, my, ninth, my ninth grade year of high school. And we, our school was right by a lake, and so we would run around the lake, and, uh, and I did pretty good at that. 
because I figured out the shortcut through the woods. <laughs> it's true. And one day, the coach, uh, thinking that perhaps maybe we, and we, had, we did weights, we had to do weights, not, not weight on the Lord, but, you know, weight, <laughs> machines, and, and we'd have to do so many reps and stuff, and it was underneath the stadium, the football stadium in a, in a locker room thing. <clears throat> and he'd come around, and when he come into the room, everybody immediately went, 38, 39. It was their first one, 39. And, they, and that's what they did, right? And then one day he said, okay, stop, everybody stop. We're going to start with you. And you have to do however many reps it was on every machine. And everybody went, ah! I should have been doing them reps all along. And so people were dying trying to do these things. Then we got out on the track, and we had to run, um, I don't remember how far it was, a long way around the track, and we had to do it within like five minutes or something like that. Maybe it was a, is that a five-minute mile? That's, too, that's, that's impossible, right? I ran a four, but I did cut across the field, so... But if we, didn't, if we didn't complete in the time that he said, then we failed. And you never seen so much huffing and puffing. And then, not on top of that, not only were you going to potentially fail, I should say, then you had to do bleachers as punishment. Yeah, I got to do bleachers that day. Here's a couple of things I do know about running. You have to remove all excess weight. Anything that would slow you down. It would be ridiculous, ridiculous to run with a bunch of stuff on. I can see how going naked could maybe speed you up. Always, always, always keep your eyes on the finish line. You have to do that. And then never, ever look back. I read a story. I didn't put it in here. And uh, it was about the guy that did the, the first four-minute mile. Landy. Was it Landy or Landry? Roger Bannister, but he was running against another guy who was also had run a, a four, under a four-minute mile, and I don't remember what the race was, I don't remember what the event was, but it was very hyped up, and everyone was just, man, this is going to be the, the match right here, and in the middle of it, the strategy for Roger Bannister was to, he was going to hold back a little bit until that very last lap, and then he would, then he would kick it in, so the other guy got ahead of him, by quite a bit, and he was a little concerned about that once he got to that point in the race, that maybe his strategy wasn't going to work. So he started stepping it up, and he started closing on him, and he cut about half of the time, half of the space, uh, a little earlier than what he meant to, and, and he thought, man, he's still way ahead of me. But the other guy made the fatal flaw. He turned, and he looked. And when he did, Roger Bannister zipped by him. And won that race. Never, 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 ever, ever look back. In our text this morning, or tonight, I should say, Paul is once again reminding us that we have a race to run. And to ensure our victory, he gives us some tips for running the race. First of all, the Bible distinguishes between weights and sins. That very first part. That verse still up? Nope. Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin. 
there's two different things. It's not just sin, but it's the weight. What, what's weighting you down, right? We all know that sin will destroy us, right? And while the focus today is not sin, I'm not focusing on sin, but let me tell you that Satan knows what sin we are most susceptible to. He knows while Satan can't read your minds, he has a pretty good idea of what you struggle with and what I struggle with. He sees the places we go. He hears what we talk about. He sees what we read. And he knows what we struggle with. And he knows what easily besets us. He'd been around a long time. They have these people now on the internet that will do the body language reading of someone. There's a video of someone's interviewing somebody. And they'll say, now see that right there? He tilted his head so he's lying or whatever. I don't understand how they, how they know that. Satan, man. We, we give him so much information. We're so easy to read, right? And the Bible clearly lists the sins of the flesh in Galatians. And, I, you know, I can go there if you want. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those are who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You knew about those. Those weren't new for you, were they? We know that sin will destroy us, but let me talk about weights. Let's just do weights. By the way, some of you have noticed and asked me about it. I have lost some weight over the last couple of years. And then I, I got put on some different medication, and I was packing it on way faster than I was losing it before and had to make a change. I had to go to my doctor and say, this, take, take this. I'm not taking it. This is not good. I don't, I don't need that. We've got to figure, figure something else out. So it's good when you can lose some weight. It's harder when you're older like I am. It's a lot harder, I would say, when you, get, when you get older. But it can be good. It can be easier on your knees. It can be easier on your whole body. It's, it's good for all those kind of things, right? There are many of us who are not necessarily carrying around a load of sin, but we're still trying to run the race with weights on our backs. We might still be going in the right direction, but we're heavily laden. We're burdened down. We've talked about it tonight. We've given you an opportunity to come and respond. Respond to God crushing those things that beset you. Let's talk about a couple of them like anger. Fear. Lust. Desire for carnal pleasure. Greed. Bitterness. Complacency, careers. Some of you, that's the weight you're carrying. Whatever it is, we're trying to go through life, run our race, but we're just carrying too much weight. And Paul says, realize something. There are other things besides sin that will slow you down. Lay aside the weight. And you say, Pastor, I'm not sinning. I'm not missing church. I know I'm not involved. I know I'm not praying like I should be. But I'm not sinning. I'm not stealing or fornicating 
or lying or anything else that the Bible says is sin. I realize that, but I'm still telling you, it's time to lay aside every weight, not just some weight, every weight that's holding you back from going after Jesus 1,000%. First Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me. This is Paul. But not all things are profitable. Right? But they're not good for me. Paul says they hinder me instead of helping me. So I'm going to lay them down. There are three things about weights that I want to bring to your attention today. Weights slow you down. I've already said that. If you've ever run in a marathon or walked in a walkathon, you will know that there are places along the way that you can get a glass of cold water. And, and that's a very welcome thing when you're in the middle of that, right? You can get a, a refreshment. Take a, take, they call them checkpoints, right? They've been established for us also in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual race. God has put places and moments in time where we can be refreshed. But if we're dragging behind, we may quit before we ever get to the next point of rest. Psalm 110.7 says, He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. When we get slowed down by weights, it takes us longer to get to that place of rest. Listen to me tonight. God has your next place of rest. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how difficult it seems right now. He has your next place of rest. Hang on. Shirk off the weight that's holding you back. When we're slowed down, it takes us longer to get there. It takes us longer to see the will of God accomplished in our life. It takes us longer to fulfill our ministries. It takes us longer to find the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. We're just slowed down by things that we're carrying and that we can't seem to put down. I know there are people in this place who have a calling on their lives. You can envision a place in the Spirit that you feel God's calling you to. But it's not happening quickly enough. And you're frustrated. But have you taken an honest look at your life? If you will, you may find there are weights that are keeping you from running your race. If you'll put those weights down, you'll find that you're going to arrive at your destiny much more quickly. I mean, what's more important anyway? Our priorities are sometimes so off. And I'm encouraging you to make your priority Christ. I'm encouraging you to make your priority Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. If you put those weights down, you'll get there much quickly, more quickly. Our strength is just drained when you try to run with a lot of weight on your back. Shame. Shame's a heavy one to continue to carry. And you don't have to, it's not yours. When the Lord was speaking to Ezekiel concerning the priest, he said, When they come in to minister to me, they shall not wear anything 
that will make them sweat. You ever heard that verse? The word sweat is only used three times in the Bible. First one's in Genesis 3.19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground. From it, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That means there's going to be some work involved now. Remember, they were kicked out of the garden, and there's going to be some sweat involved. The second time is in Ezekiel 44.18, and I would just refer to that when, they, when God was giving the pattern for the tabernacle, for the worship, how, what they were going to do. It says, linen turbans shall be on their heads, and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat. Isn't that interesting? And then Luke twenty two forty four, Jesus was in the garden of, the, of Gethsemane, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. See, in the first instance, sweat is used as a description of man's punishment for eating the forbidden fruit. That punishment would be that you'd have to work for your substance from then on, right? And that work he would have to perform would drain his energy. The last instance is describing Jesus' intercession for us. And the agony of bearing the sins of the world drained his energy as well. But the second one, the middle one, that instance about don't wear anything that's going to make you sweat, that middle is, is describing our worship. Our worship. And our worship is not to drain our energy. Our worship is to replenish it. This is part of the rest, wherein the weary shall rest. Now, why would anyone be weary in worship? Well, because the weights we carry all week long. We come in here. Our energy's drained. By the time we get into the sanctuary, we're tired, we're weary, we're sweating. It's a little warm. They didn't have air conditioning, by the way, back in Jesus' time. Did you know that? So, just saying. All of our energy drained. The guilt of holding on to something that we know we should let go of will make us not want to come to church. But we do. And it's a drudgery. Instead of a pleasure. Not you. I'm talking everybody online. <laughs> the answer is this. Let go of the weight. And you'll have energy to worship God. Let go of the thing that's replaced your pure, undivided worship of Jesus Christ of him glorified, of him lifted up. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not the dreary, dull, I'm tired, wore out. Weights make you lose your focus. Weights make you... If you've ever loaded up a truck or a car or a trailer during a moving process, 
and you had your load tied down, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that your individual attention, right, your undivided attention, I mean, is not on the road ahead of you. It's looking in that mirror to see if you've lost anything. Watching it. Is it still there? Everything going okay? Even a closed-in trailer, you just are constantly thinking about that, right? Continue looking in the rearview mirror, turning around to make sure your load's secure. It's not a bad thing. I mean, number one, you might run into someone ahead of you if you're not paying attention. I have a car that has this thing on it that uh, uh, you set the cruise, and it goes at that speed. But if you come up on a, on a car that's not going as fast as you are, it'll, sl- it'll slow down. You don't have to do anything. You just, it just slows down. And I've been traveling before, and I went, man, why am I going so slow? Well, I'm behind the slowpoke, and I pop over in this lane, and the car takes off. But then I would get in Kelly's car, her Sonata, and it didn't have that. And I'm going down the road, and next thing you know, I'm about to run over somebody because <laughs> her cruise doesn't have that, right? That's, I like that adaptive cruise. That's a, that's a good thing. There are a number of risks involved, right? You might miss your turn. (laughs) Oh, bless them, Lord. Number three, you might miss a stop sign or a signal. Anyway, any number of these things would affect your journey. But simply because you're not focused on the road ahead, right? You got to lay aside these things that are holding you back. You got to put it down. You got to stop worrying about it. Just focus on the prize. And what's the prize? Jesus. Him glorified in my life. When our focus is divided, the enemy can get into our hearts and our lives, and he can cause confusion, division, frustration. Just watch the football game tomorrow, okay? Preseason. Watch it tomorrow. And likely, one of the offensive linemen, not from us, the other team. Is it the Steelers? Who is it? San Francisco? Who we play? Saints. Same thing. Don't matter. But likely one of the offensive linemen or one of the, uh, on one of the teams, not ours, will jump before the snap and be called for offsides penalty. You watch. It's going to happen. And when it does, remember I said it. I called it. I prophesied it. Someone's going to jump offsides. And they're going to be called for an offsides penalty. You'll see a player who isn't listening to his quarterback, rather watching his enemy. Who are you listening to? We need to get our eyes off the enemy, focus on our quarterback. If we listen to the voice of the signal caller, we won't jump too soon and we won't be persuaded by our enemy and caught off guard. Keep your focus on Jesus. Lay aside every weight, every habit, every thought that would steal your attention from Jesus Christ. James 1.8 says this, Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You don't want to be double-minded. James also says, if any man lacks wisdom, and that if is the Greek word that means if, and I know you do, let him ask, and God will give it. And he he won't chide you. You asked that last week. Can't believe you're asking me again. No. You ask, and he'll give every, every time, every time, every time. That's part of unloading the weight, is you ask him for wisdom. And let him help you through it, right? So I have a question for you. What weight do you need to let go of today? Everyone in this room, everyone watching me, what weight do you need to let go of? We gave you an opportunity earlier. I'm giving you another one. 
This is your year to be delivered from that sin. This is it. This is your time. This is a time to draw a line and say, that's it. I'm I'm not going there anymore. And God's ready to say yes and amen. This is your year to be delivered from that weight. I'm talking about getting serious about the one thing in your life that never gets dealt with. What keeps coming up year after year? You love God, but something keeps hounding you, and you know it stands in the way of your walk with the Lord. We need to take a lesson from Gideon. In Judges 6, 25 and 26, it says this, Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, Take your father's bull and a second bull, bull seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. See, Gideon's father, Joash, had erected a great statue of, of Baal and the goddess Asherah, made from huge stones. His reasoning was that Baal had given Midian power over them. Baal has given power to them over us. Maybe if we worship their God, he'll give us power. People came from miles around to worship there, including Midianites and Moabites. If you know the story of, of Gideon, the Midianites would come in. If you ever watched Bugs Life, they were like, they were like the caterpillars. They come in, you grow, you, you pick the grain, and we come and take it from you. They would come. It was a powerful, demonic stronghold indeed in their midst in Israel. But God told Gideon, I'm not going to deliver Israel until you get rid of this idol that stands between us. What's standing between you and his immense love and power? Lay it aside. Cut it down. So in the middle of the night, Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as he had, as the Lord had told him. And he, he took a, an ox and used ropes to pull down Baal and Asherah. See, God has given his church today the same message he gave to Gideon. I want to help you, but I can't until you lay aside every weight and the sin that keeps besetting and defeating you. Now's the time to lay aside every weight. Now is the time to lay aside the sin that overtakes and dominates us. Now is the time. Now. Not when you leave and go home. Not when you think about it and try to intellectually decide whether or not you really want to give that up or let that go. Now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the moment of release and deliverance. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't know who's got what, where you're at, but I'm telling you, you can lay it down to him today. You can let go of it to him today. And the great thing is, he's not going to leave you alone and make you do it all yourself. He just wants you to understand and to assent, to give him a yes. Yes, Lord, I lay this down. And then he can step in. Then he can make the difference that you haven't been able to do all this time. 
So whatever it is that the Lord's speaking to you, and I believe he's probably speaking to everybody in the room about something. Father, Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to each one of us? What do we need to lay down so we can run? So that we can run the race to win and finish strong. Whatever it is, give it to him right now. Amen. I encourage you to go back and read Hebrews 12, the whole thing. It's really good. It's really good. Read the whole thing. Won't you stand up for me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Lift Church, simply type in our web address, lift.church.